Welcome to Fresh Start Church Online. Our mission is to help people find a fresh start through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if we can pray for you or help you in any way. Now here's Pastor Bruce with this week's message. We are starting a new series today called Q&A. And, you know, a a lot of things that we use for uh, either topics to study or uh, entire series are are based on what people ask me about or what people uh, have challenges with or common things that we all wrestle with. And so uh, this entire series is going to be based on uh, questions that you've provided or in one case, uh, one of my Facebook friends, Greg, is here this morning, and he, he sent me a question we've never met until today, but he sent me a question on Facebook, and we'll cover that in a couple weeks as part of this series. Because, you know, church needs to be, and the early church was a place where you could ask questions, a place where you could bring, you know, your, your doubts, your concerns, your big questions, your little questions, and, and discuss them and be able to find answers. And uh, I think a lot of us today, especially if we've been in church for a while, feel intimidated. Like if I ask a question, and I'm not talking about Sunday morning, you know, middle of the service asking a question, but if I ask a question either, you know, after a service or if, if it, or life groups, if I ask a question at life group, maybe everybody else knows the answer and I don't, you know, and I don't want people to think I'm stupid or I don't want, you know, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want... Uh, and so a lot of times we're afraid to just say, hey, I really have this problem. I really, you know, I read the Bible and I just don't know if that's true. Or, you know, I, I, I read what's supposed to be true, but I'm not seeing that happen. And so the, the point of this series is, A, to let us all know it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have struggles and to be able to talk about them. And then B, to try to address from God's word some common answers to common questions that we have. But even beyond this series, my hope is that that this will become part of our DNA, that we will just always feel like this is a, a family of believers and it's okay in a family to ask questions, to admit your struggles and challenges and doubts. So today... Uh, we're going to talk about why isn't God fair. Now, if I were to ask you how many people have felt, maybe you feel right now, like God isn't fair, you might not want to raise your hand because it just kind of seems like, especially in church, we shouldn't feel that way. We shouldn't think God isn't fair. But in my experience, we all have thought that at some time, or we all wrestle with, why does that happen? That's just not Fair. Why are these things happening in the world? That's just not fair. Why are these things happening to me? It's just not fair. And so only through asking questions and through finding the truth from God's word, only then can we come to the place where God wants us to be, to really have and know uh, the answers, to really have and know him and a more intimate knowledge of him. I mean, we have all seen bad things happen to good people. We've all seen that. And we just don't understand it. We don't, well, why did that, they were such a good person. Why did that happen to him? Why did that happen to her? 
And we've all seen bad people get away with doing things or the bad guy's business is prospering and that good guy had to file bankruptcy. The bad guy seems to be doing really well with his health. He does all these things that should hurt his health. He does good, but the good guy, you know, got cancer. Why do those kind of things happen? It just doesn't seem like God is fair. You know, as a pastor, I see and, and know things that, that a lot of other people don't know. People share things with me that, you know, a lot of other people don't know. And I just see things, you know, through prayer requests, praying for people that are struggling or people that they love or care about struggle with such terrible things. And, and it's, it's hard when you think, why does the single mom who's barely getting by and working at Walmart and struggling to just support her kids, why does she get cancer? That just, why would God do that? This, here's a woman trying to serve God and follow God. Why would she get cancer? Why does the guy who's the really good worker, who works hard and is honest, how come he loses his job? But the guy that just is crooked as can be just is able to keep his job. Why does that really good man, who's a good husband and a good father, uh, is trying to serve God and represent God, how come his wife cheats on him and says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. That just doesn't seem fair. How come little kids are born with diseases? Why Why do people molest little children? That's not fair. Innocent little kids. That's just, why would God allow that? God just doesn't seem fair when we see those kinds of things happening. It's always bothered me. And, and back when we were in pro-life ministry, we would see, you know, every week here in Melbourne, back when there was an abortion clinic here, we'd see 30 women having an abortion every single week, 30 more women, 30 more women. And, and we, we would also see people that were desperately wanting to have kids and couldn't conceive, and their heart's desire was, we want to have a baby, but the adoption list is 17 miles long, and we want to have a baby. And so over here, people are saying, we don't want to have a baby. And over here, people that desperately want one can't have one. That just doesn't seem fair. We've watched a dear friend of ours uh, get married, want to have kids, and have miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And finally, decide to try to adopt. Gets on the list, is making progress towards adoption. And guess what? How far is she? Six months? Not quite. Not quite. Five months pregnant? We'll show you a picture of Naphtali soon. A young woman who's given her life to serving God, who's uh, translating scripture in a dangerous part of the world. And yet the pain of just miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And here she is, you know, serving God, doing these incredible things for God. That just doesn't seem fair. We've all got those kind of questions, don't we? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? This doesn't seem like God is fair. In the Bible, there were plenty of stories that didn't seem fair. If you've read the Old Testament, the story of Job, I mean, it's just a famous, famous story. Here's this good guy, good uh, good man who loved God who God viewed as being a faithful servant, good guy, good husband, good father. And, and one day Satan's talking to God and he says, 
you know, nobody really loves you. Nobody really follows you. Nobody really has faith in you. And God says, oh, yeah, what, what about Job? What about my, my servant Job over here? He's a good guy. He's faithful. He's loyal to me. He loves me. And Satan just kind of trying to mock God. And, mock, and God says, okay, I'll give you permission to go mess with Job. And we'll see if he still loves me afterwards. And he gives, he gives the devil permission to do that. And so Job loses everything. He loses his money. He loses his family. He loses his health. He loses everything. And God allowed all that? That doesn't seem fair, does it? What about John the Baptist? Here's this guy placed on this earth with a very specific mission to prepare the way for Jesus. And man, was he devoted to his mission. He fulfilled that mission. He prepared the way. He went out and started preaching a message of repentance, calling people to repent and turn to God. He starts baptizing people. Then as Jesus begins his ministry, and, and, and John had a very successful ministry, lot, very popular, lots of people following him. And as Jesus began his ministry, John said, I'm not even fit to tie his sandals. And John said, my ministry, and, and, and I have to decrease, and Jesus has to increase. I mean, you talk about humble, you talk about loyal, you talk about faithful. He's the guy that baptized Jesus. How would you like to say, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that baptized Jesus. I mean, what a cool thing, right? You talk about a notch on the belt. Oh, my gosh, I'm the guy that got to baptize Jesus. How cool is that? And where did it get him? Well, he got arrested. He got thrown in prison. And then the king, Herodias, has her daughter come out and do a strip tease for the king. And, and, and he promises anything that she wants. And she wants John's head cut off. And so they did it. They cut off his head. And Jesus was alive and here on earth. And didn't do anything to stop it. This guy that had been so faithful to him. He didn't do anything to stop it. That doesn't seem fair, does it? Seems tragic. Seems tragic. But you know, the story of Jesus doesn't seem fair either. Let's look at the Gospel of Matthew. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 27. Or we'll put the uh, verses up on the screen. Or they're also in your outline this morning. I want us to see that, that God's treatment of Jesus didn't seem fair either. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. There's this incredible contrast that we're about to see. That here's Barabbas. What, what was he? He was a bad guy. He had done bad things. He had been arrested. He deserved to be punished. He deserved to be executed. He was a bad guy. And then... Here was Jesus. Jesus didn't deserve to die. Jesus had lived a perfect life. He'd been falsely arrested, falsely accused, 
falsely tried, falsely convicted, then they beat the heck out of him, and then they took a whip. And, you know, if you've ever been hit by any kind of a whip, when I was a kid, you'd take vacations and you could go, you know, buy whips along the roadside stands. If there were Indians there, you could buy a whip. And I remember having a whip. And I remember trying to chase my brother with it and wrap it around him, you know, because I watched Zorro when I was a kid. He could do it, and I couldn't do it quite that good, but I hurt my brother, and he was older than me. One thing I quickly learned is once the whip's not in your hand, the older, bigger brother can get back at you, and mine did, and I deserved it. But this whip that they whipped Jesus with wasn't like a little bull whip from a souvenir stand. It was worse than anything we can imagine because bits of metal and bits of bone were woven into the leather on the end of the whip. And so when they would whip Jesus, it would wrap around him and the bone and the little bits of metal would stick into his skin. And then as they pulled the whip back, it would literally shred his skin. And they did it over and over and over. It's incredible, incredible that he didn't die just through that process. Then they took the crown of thorns, they stuck it down on his head so his head would bleed. Talk about a contrast. The bad guy deserved to die. Jesus, who lived a perfect life, didn't deserve to die, but he was the one bitten, or beaten and whipped and, and mistreated. Let's drop down to verse 21. So the governor asked again, which of these, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus, who's called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's not fair. That's not fair. The bad guy is going to get away with it, and the good guy is going to be not only punished, he's going to be killed. That's not fair. That something good is going to happen to the bad guy and something bad is going to happen to the good guy. But Jesus went through everything that he went through. And was executed. And Barabbas was set free. You know, some of you are going through bad times. Bad challenges. Maybe it's bad health, maybe it's bad finances, maybe it's bad marriage or bad relationships. And, and, and you say, I've tried to be a good person and, and, and it seems like I'm getting punished for it. And it just doesn't seem fair. I had a, after all of the doctors I've been to over the years for my back and chiropractors and massage therapists and sports medicine specialist but they said they couldn't make me into an athlete so I quit going there and uh, pain management specialist all these things uh, I I got a consultation from a chiropractor just kind of a casual consultation from a chiropractor yesterday I just wanted to see what he would say I just showed him part of my MRI and I didn't tell him much information and he used some word I've never even heard he goes well it looks like you've got 
came to think of the kyphos. In fact, kyphosis or something. In fact, it looks like hyperkyphosis. I'm thinking, okay, I've heard all kinds of words, and I've been studying this and trying to fit, learn everything I can about my back. I'm like, what the heck is that? I've never even heard that word. So I look it up. And it's a Greek word that means hump, the hunchback. And I'm picturing, you know, I'm going to be a movie star. I've always wanted to be in the movies. I'm going to be in the new version, you know, alongside with Johnny Depp. I'm going to be in the new version of the hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm like, hunchback? What the heck is that? That doesn't seem very good, does it? That doesn't seem fair. And I was ticked. I was kind of freaked out. It's kind of like you'd rather not know. You've got one more problem. <laughs> I know the long list of them. I didn't know about that one. We all, at one point or another, and a lot of you, it's right now for lots of us, where you're trying to do the right thing, trying to be a good person, and it's just not working. And maybe you say, I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I just don't feel any answers. Like, God, is God still there? I don't feel like God's answering. Maybe it's not you, but it's somebody close to you, somebody you care about, somebody you love, and man, they've just been a good guy, or she's been a great girl, and... And they're going through all this stuff, and it just isn't fair. And then maybe you know somebody, a bad guy, who's getting away with everything. And it just doesn't seem fair. Some are desperately praying for answers, and they just don't seem to come. And some of you may be here this morning saying, well, okay, I hope that Bruce is going to get, I need an answer. And if you've ever been in that position or if you're in it now, man, there's times when I'm just, Valerie and I have been praying about something and just seeking God's will. We're just praying and praying and you kind of look for the answer everywhere. Okay, maybe that clerk at Dollar Tree, God's going to speak to them. And, you know, I've pretty much found God doesn't speak to clerks at Dollar Tree. And no offense to them, I love Dollar Tree, but I've yet to get an answer there. When we're at that point where it just doesn't seem fair, we're really at a crossroads. We're really at a crossroads where we have to decide, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to just make the decision, God's not fair, and if God's not fair, why the heck would I want to follow him? Why the heck would I want to serve him? Why would I want him to be my leader? Or we have to decide, even though doesn't seem like God is fair, even though what I'm dealing with doesn't make any sense and I can't see how anything good could come from this, I'm going to decide God knows more than I do. God knows more. And see, there's no simple questions to a lot of our, I mean, there's no simple answers to a lot of our questions, the things that we really struggle with and why, why, why. God, that just doesn't seem fair. There's rarely simple answers to those questions. But here's what I do. When I'm facing something, I think, I just, I don't know why God would let that happen. I don't know why, God, that just doesn't seem fair. That person's getting away with it. I'm getting punished. This is happening. It just doesn't seem fair. Here's what I try to do. And it's hard. It's hard. But I try to say, wait a minute. I am a created being, but God is the creator. He didn't just create me. He created the world. He created the universe. He created everything there is. Wait a minute. I have very uh, finite mind. 
But God is infinite. Wait a minute. Maybe there's some things I can't see them. I can't see any possible way that this is going to work out. But God was here at the beginning of time. And he already knows tomorrow. So am I going to allow my mind to choose my path and say, God doesn't seem fair, therefore, I'm not going to follow him anymore. Or am I going to say, doesn't seem fair, but God sees things I don't see. God knows things I don't know. Even though I don't understand, even though I may not like it, God is wise, God is good, and God is sovereign. And sometimes we get confused between God being a good God versus bad things happening, but God being able to bring good things out of that. When, when you read Romans 8, 28, you know, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't say all things are good. There's lots of bad things. We all do bad things. Other people do bad things to us. Lots of bad things in the world. But even through those bad things, God can bring good. God can bring good. Even though it doesn't make sense, I have to say, God, you know better than I do. Your ways are higher than my ways. You know, sometimes things have to get darker before there's light. There always has to be death before there can be resurrection. On Good Friday, it looked like the darkest day in history, and it was. It still is when we look back to it, the darkest day. If you talk about losing hope and having faith and saying, boy, God's not fair. Jesus, the one who touched me and prayed for me and healed me. Jesus, the one who spoke truth and and I, I became his follower. Jesus just died. And I was here. I knew him. I know he didn't do anything wrong. I know it was all a crock, but Jesus was just killed. God, that's not fair. But if there hadn't been Good Friday, there wouldn't be Easter. If there wasn't that dark day, there wouldn't be the light and the hope that came through Easter. So let's kind of switch gears here. When when we think that God isn't fair, it's because we're looking at things through our perspective. We're not seeing things from God's perspective. And the problem is, our perspective is twisted because of our sin. God's perspective is perfect because he is perfect. And our perspective is based on an an inaccurate view of ourselves and an inaccurate view of God. But if we can pull back from our perspective and try to understand things from God's perspective then we can understand that even though it doesn't seem like God is fair in this situation or in this circumstance, we can trust him. So what's God's perspective of us? Well, the first thing is we're not good. You think, why is this called Fresh Start Church? I came here to be told we're not good. I'm not good. That's a bummer, isn't it? Most of us would say we're good people. We would say, you know, we talk about other people we know or other people in the church. Other people, He's a, he's a good guy. But it's all relative. You know, it's, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. But what is, what is God's perspective of us? Romans 3, verse 10. No one is righteous, not even 
one. I, I love the New Living Translation of this verse. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. None of us. None of us. We're not good. We're not good. It, you know, I think the guy that summed it up best was that great theologian Michael Jackson when he said, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm really, really bad. That's the only words of truth I think ever came out of that man's mouth was, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm really, really bad. We didn't know at the time how much he meant that from that song. No one is righteous. All have become useless. No one does good. See, if you and I were good, then Jesus didn't need to come and die for us, did he? If you and I were good, then we wouldn't need to be saved, would we? If I, if I don't realize that I'm lost when I'm driving down the road, if I don't know that I'm lost, then I don't know that I need directions. I don't know that I need to be found. So we have to come to that place where we realize my perspective is twisted because I'm not good. I'm not good. No one is good. I mean, you'd think that Jesus would have spent his time here on earth with good people, wouldn't you? If you were Jesus, you're God who came to earth, put on flesh, perfect, holy, righteous God walking here, fully human and yet fully God. Here's God walking on this earth. You would think he would have wanted to hang out with the good people, right? I'll go, well, I'll go to the church. I'll hang out with those church people. But, you know, in our last series, we saw that us church people have lots and lots of challenges. But Jesus passed right by the church people, right by the religious people, and he spent his time with the drunks and the prostitutes and the outcasts, the people that nobody else wanted to spend time with, the crooked business people. So one day he's hanging out with those kind of people, and the religious leaders confronted him about it. He said, why would you spend time with such trashy people? Why would you do that? And look at what Jesus said to them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come not to I'm, I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The religious leaders refused to acknowledge that they weren't good. They refused to acknowledge that their own sin. But the sinners, the prostitutes, the addicts. The outcasts, the thieves, the crooked business people, they knew. They knew. They recognized that they weren't good. So when Jesus came, they recognized their need for him. If we think we're good people, then we don't need Jesus, do we? I don't need somebody else. If I'm good on my own, I don't need anybody else. It's kind of like the story. We looked at it a few weeks ago. Of, of Jesus told this story in Luke 18 of the Pharisee, the religious guy, and the tax collector, the scum, crooked business guy, walk into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee goes, oh, God, I'm so glad. I'm not like that sinful Pharisee. I mean, that sinful tax collector over there. Oh, God, I'm so glad that I'm just such a good guy. And the tax collector just kept beating his chest, saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, he recognized that he wasn't good. 
And he cried out to a Savior. And that's what God wants for each of us to recognize. I need a Savior. I, it doesn't look fair to me, but I, my, my perspective is, is messed up. Let me ask you a question just to help us really grab hold of this. And you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever told a lie? Man, we got some honest people here. Because I said, you don't have to raise your hand. Hands are going up. I feel like an evangelist. Hands are going up all over the auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. And if you say, no, not me, you just lied when you said that. We've all told lies. We've all told lies. Now, don't raise your hand for this. And don't point to your spouse. How many of you have stolen stuff? You've stolen something. It wasn't yours. Maybe you thought you deserved to have it. Well, they owe me this. I'll just take it. I remember as a kid uh, reading on the church choir music. My mom always sang in the choir. And I remember reading on the music. It said, copyright. So-and-so, so-and-so publishing company. I said, what's that mean? Well, it means you're not allowed to make copies of it. You have to buy it. It's copyright. If you make copies of it, you're stealing from someone. You're stealing their income that they should have gotten for their hard work. And I remember reading this on all the copies of all the music that had been copied for the church choir, thinking, well, wasn't that wrong? We got we paid for one, then we made copies, not allowed to do that. Even worse, it was made on Harris Corporation's copy machine. So paper was stolen from Harris Corporation and their copy machine was stolen to steal these copies from somebody who worked hard and trying to feed their kids for their writing. And even worse, it was done during company time. So time was stolen from an employer by someone who was making copies for the church. And it was all stolen. It's all stolen. We, we've all done that. We've all copied a CD or a DVD. We've all copied something. We've all said, well, I'll just make a copy. You haven't done it? No, I haven't. Okay, good. <laughs> I was worried about it. Oh, the people that say, here, oh, pastor, I just want to be a blessing to you. Here's this. And they don't ever say, here's this DVD that I stole by copying it against federal law. They always say, here, I, I made this copy for you. And I go, okay, and I throw it away. I mean, we've all done that. We've all done that. Now, really don't raise your hand now. How many of you ever looked at someone else with lust in your heart? How many of you have ever, even if it was just for a day or it was just a specific thing, how many of you have ever put something or someone else in front of God? that, That... That business, that whatever it was, was more important to you at that point, came in front of God. And that's just four of the Ten Commandments. See, the truth is we can't get through number one without realizing we're commandment breakers. We just are. And and, and the purpose of the Ten Commandments was to show us that. It was to show us that we are lawbreakers who need a Savior. So we're not... Good people. That's God's perspective. So when we say, why do bad things happen to good people? God would look and say, well, there aren't any good people. So there's no good people and we deserve punishment. We deserve punishment. Look at Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin or the penalty for sin or the punishment for sin is what? Death. Death. 
That's what we deserve. Why do those things have good people? There aren't any good people. We're, we've all done what's wrong. None of us are good. We all deserve punishment and not a slap on the wrist. The wages of sin is death. You know, the number one thing that we should thank God for, the number one thing that we should be thankful for, and I'm not just talking about Thanksgiving, every day of our lives, the number one thing that we should be thankful for is that God's not fair. That God's not fair. Because if he was, and if none of us are good, and if the penalty for not being good is death, we should be so thankful that God's not fair. Because fair would be we get punished. We get what we deserve. But look at the rest of Romans 6.23. Now that you're so encouraged and built up in your faith and glad you came to church, came to church to be told you're scum. Here's the rest of it. Here's the good news. The wages of sin is death. But, but, I've told you this before. Every time you see but in the Bible, grab hold of it. The Bible, if it wouldn't offend people, I'd do a whole series on the buts of the Bible. Because it's always this, but, this is what you deserve, but, here's the good news. Here's what should happen, but, the wages of sin is death, but, The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Fair would be, we pay the penalty for our sins. Fair would be, we're punished for our sins. That would be fair. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Not through our own goodness. The gift of God is eternal life through the goodness of Jesus Christ. Christ, our Lord. And notice it says it's a free gift. It's a free gift. That means we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to get enough credit stored up to get it. There's no way that we can get into heaven except through Jesus Christ. There's no way that we can have an eternal relationship except through Jesus Christ. There's no way that we can be forgiven of our sins except through Jesus Christ. So check out this awesome news. Good things happen to bad people like us. Good things happen. It's not fair. Fair would be we're condemned. Instead, we're offered freedom. Fair would be we die. Instead, we're offered life. And not just life, abundant life here and eternal life with Christ. Good things happen to bad people. Look at... uh, Psalm 103 says it far better than I ever could. Let's let's read it out loud together. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. We'll look at that verse again in a few weeks when we talk about forgiveness of sins and how that all 
works. But he doesn't punish us for our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve. His unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. I am so glad God's not fair. I am so glad that he's not fair. I am so glad that I don't get what I deserve. I'm so glad that God gives me far more than I deserve. I'm so glad that despite my sin, my mistakes, my failures, my stupidity, despite everything, God loves me. And so when I look and think, that doesn't seem fair. I think, wait a minute, I'm glad God's not fair. I am so thankful that God's not fair. That he's so much better than fair. That his plan is so much more perfect than fair as we could see it. Really, that's the story of the gospel. We deserve punishment, but Jesus took our punishment when he died on the cross. And so because of him, we can have forgiveness. Because of him, we can have eternal life. We can have hope. I'm so glad that God's not fair. I'm so glad. You know, we talked earlier about Barabbas, the the notorious criminal being set free, and Jesus, the Savior, being crucified. Jesus took Barabbas' place. Jesus shouldn't have died, and he took Barabbas' place. That's exactly what he's done for us. He's taken our place. We should be the ones nailed to the cross. We should be the ones whipped and beaten and humiliated. But Jesus humbled himself so much, loved us so much that he said, I want to take your place. I want to take your place. It wasn't easy. That's why he said, Father, if there's any plan B, I'd like that. That's why he said, Father, it, this cup, that it, this, this Lord's Supper celebration he was having with his disciples, he said, this cup, it represents my blood that's about to be shed. This bread represents my body that's about to be broken. And Father, if there's any way, take this cup, take it away. I don't want to have to go through this. But there wasn't any other way. The only way for bad people like us We don't get away with what we've done. Jesus is paying for it for us. We don't get away with being bad. Jesus took on sin for us. And when we realize that, and when we realize that that's not fair, it changes everything. It changes our perspective. When we look from God's perspective and say, okay, God didn't want... To have a sinful world. God created a perfect world. He created a perfect place. He had a perfect relationship with the very first people on earth. But they chose to walk away from him. They chose to rebel against him. And you and I would make the same choice today. We would. But despite that, God's not fair. Despite that, he loves us. He sent his son to save us. And he offers us the only life that's worth living here on earth. And the only life that's worth living eternally. Let's pray together.
Father, when we look at your word, it, it can seem so clear, so obvious that we're not good. But that you loved us anyway. And yet, God, as we look at life, we look at it from our perspective and not yours. Father, would you place in each of us a, a deep desire to trust you? A deep desire, Father, to really believe that even though we can't understand it all, and even though, God, it, it just doesn't make sense to us, that you are in charge. And that you do care about us. And that you are a good God. And that you want good things for us. Father, it's, it's, it's beyond our comprehension that Barabbas got set free. And that Jesus was executed. But God, would you would you place that, that same perspective on our hearts that that we've been set free because Jesus was executed. God draw us closer and closer to you. Father, grow us up in our faith. That we truly would trust you, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what happens, good, bad, whatever happens, Father. Help us to trust you, to truly believe that you're a perfect God. And then, Father, help us to live lives of thanksgiving. Because you're so much better than fair to us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we receive our offering this morning,